0: Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman and this is episode 25. And the big news is this episode is the first one that's brought to you by our sponsor, Phantom Bill Stickers. So go to i800phantom.co.nz, check them out on Facebook. They've got a great presence there. They post lots of interesting and funny things as well as letting you know what the business does and keeping you up to date with their campaigns. But the other people to see if you want to put a poster up, if you've got an event and you need to, you know, let people know about that event, check, check out what they do because they not only put the posters up, they design them and they also, um, they, they share some really cool stuff around the, the sphere, both on the web and with their poetry posters and they've got um, National Poetry Day coming up, which for the first time they're the sponsor of. So really stoked to have their support. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about the background of them, you could go back, if you haven't, and listen to one of the previous episodes where I talked to Jim Wilson, who's, um, who's the guy that um, started Phantom and, and still runs Phantom. So yeah, really stoked to have them on board, and, and if, you, if you've if you arrived at this fire off the tracks, um, you'll see their ad that's on the site, um, which takes you through to the podcast. So happy to have them, happy still to have our beer from Yeasty Boys and our coffee from LaFare as well, so pretty chuffed uh also pretty chuffed about this episode it was a chat with roger shepherd um everyone knows who roger shepherd is particularly at the moment everyone knows because he has a book out he's written his memoir his life with flying nun records roger is and we talk about this in the podcast the luckiest music fan in the world he's a guy who got to not only celebrate his heroes and celebrate with some of his heroes he kind of got to invent some of them he uh he was just a guy working in a record store who liked music, and he created this label Flying Nun, which, uh, you know, it's it's one of the things people outside of New Zealand know about New Zealand music, and it's brought us so so much great music, and, uh, and uh, so Roger, I always wanted to talk to Roger, he would have been interesting to talk to anyway, um, I've, I know I'm a little bit, I've talked to him a couple of times, um, but when I knew he had the book coming, it was like, well we're going to chat about that. So what we tried to do was actually talk um, quite a bit about the book, about the writing of the book. Um, I, I, I've written a book too, so I had some, you know, idea about what it's like. And we sort of shared and it, of, but of course it's different for everyone. So we shared some stories about um, what happens when you write a book, how you feel about it, how nervous you are about looking at that first copy, uh, and and of course we celebrated um, some of his stories and and some of the success stories. Of Flying Nun, and I guess some of the weird little failures that just um, kept clinging on, uh, because that was sort of very much the spirit of the of the label in many ways. I think it's a pretty good chat this one, and uh, I was really um, chuffed. Seems to be the word today I'm using, but I was really uh, pleased, stoked, chuffed to have Roger round to the house for a coffee and to have have this pretty long chat with him. Uh, you'll hear of some of your favourite, hopefully some of your favourite Flying Nun tracks in the background. And uh, you'll hear me and Roger talking about his book, which is an amazing book. Uh, I've already chucked my review up on the site and I will we'll have linked to it in this podcast as well if you missed it, but it's a cracking read if you haven't um, got to it already. It's the New Zealand music book of 2016 quite easily. So this is me chatting with Roger Shepherd.
1: Like, it'd be cool to start by talking about um, the writing of the book, mm-hmm. the the concept, the um, the process, the the heartache, the anxiety, um, and I. So I guess the the place to start is um, when did you even remotely think it was going to be a story you were going to write?
2: Ooh, I, th- I think um, I mean, been... oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> weirdly enough. Um... I think I've been discussing with a friend the idea of doing, a, um, you know, perhaps revisiting the flying undocumentary idea. Yeah. yeah, And he was keen on the he was keen on the, on the concept of approaching it, sort of, you know, being about me and therefore about the label.
1: Yeah.
2: And as usual, you know, you're, you're scratching around looking for sort of how, you, how you're going to fund it, and someone came back with the observation that whatever we you know, if we were going to follow that approach, then the um, the central the, the main character. I hate to say me uh, would have to be a really strong one to, to keep the whole thing together we yeah. sort of long silence and we thought oh, well that's that's a bit of a dead duck then yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I kind of said well I guess I'll have to write the book then mm. to kind of produce this you know this yeah, person yeah. somehow yeah and so I forgot about the film you know the documentary idea completely and started sort of um and um, r uh, about the, the idea of writing a a, book, um, a, a memoir Mm. But I was still quite vague about it at that stage, about what that actually involved. I guess a memoir seems like a, a safer idea and yeah. you kind of, you know, it's based on your... You're own, controlling
1: uh, it. You can take it where yeah, you want it,
2: to go. It's it's a, it's a subjective, mm. uh, you know, recognised mm. as a subjective genre. As you can opposed. leave out whole chapters,
1: as, as you did. I mean, you said yeah. in the intro, there's, this is not a definitive chronicling of every day in the life of Flying Nun. This is a summary of key moments and... Yeah. Yeah. You know, your, and it's your
2: take. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, there was a period where I did sort of, uh, I was tempted to go down the kind of the biography of the record label. Yeah. Sort of, uh, and I just, I sort of realised, I sort of worked through a lot of that early Flying Nun, sort of, well, I guess the, the clean and meeting Chris and Doug and the not even double. Mm. Well, I I sort of went a bit deeper, and I kind of realised that that stuff was important in in the book, in my book, but I couldn't write the whole book like that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Otherwise, it would become a 2,000 page uh, blow by blow account and probably be quite dull. So, how many years ago are we talking that you sort of thought. It was probably a couple of years ago I started talking about it. Yeah. And then um, HarperCollins expressed some interest. Yeah and I, I did that thing of signing a contract yeah <laughs> oh, what was I thinking <laughs> and then uh, you know spent a lot of time sort of owing and ring about you know doing yeah. bits of writing and not really I've
1: put myself in jail how do I get <laughs> out yeah pretty much it's kind yeah, of much. a little bit what it's like isn't it
2: so um, spent a lot of time staring at the windows scratching around in the archive messing oh. that up again and <laughs> making notes that you know I couldn't really read afterwards or weren't in any coherent order or yeah And just sort of, I guess, but I guess that whole time I was sort of thinking about it, and then, of course, the the publisher wanted to know where you know how the book was going, and Mm. it was like, um, well, I've got these snippets, yeah. Uh, (laughs) What do you think? Yeah. And I guess you know, because you remember, it was a chaotic time, so I do tend to, Mm. and Mm. there's a a lot that did happen, so it's sort of lots of started off with lots of sort of interconnected um, chunks and Finley MacDonald at HarperCollins we sort of looked at that and we did a bit of snipping and yeah. chopping and changing yeah and then I was kind of away really yeah it, uh, it happened pretty quickly probably over sort of six months
1: yeah yeah just putting in writing days
2: yeah well it's a funny thing isn't it because you, you, you learn did you find
1: a preferred sort of time to sit down did you get a roll on and make no plans for a day or did you write at night or did it did you uh, mix it up uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I'm a morning. I'm a sort of early morning. You know, I yeah. don't really want to get up and attack the ha- day, ha- yeah. ha- have my cup of tea, and get on with it. Yeah, um, but it doesn't always happen. You know, kids need to be taken to school. And lunches need to be made. And yeah, you know all those yeah, sorts yeah. of things. Yep. The washing needs to be. I've got yep. vacuum. <laughs> yeah, the <of> dusting. Yeah, <laughs> those windows are dirty, but clean those. Yep. Um <laughs> the yes. And then so when
1: that, you've got a book, that stuff becomes. More important than it ever did, in a oh, way, yeah, you know. Yeah, wonderful yeah. procrastination, <laughs> too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of procrastination. Yeah. and
2: I think that so you're just buying yourself uh, thinking time, really. Yes, uh, you're not really putting it off. You're just really just subconsciously making yeah. something. Quite yeah, it
1: lives with you from when you either sign the contract or, I guess, commit to doing it. Whatever mm. it is, it, it sort of lives inside you from that moment. I think.
2: I found to start with, um, you know, I tend to write in bursts, so I might have a really busy day. Yeah. And, you know, 3,000 words or whatever. Yeah. And that could be that could be really productive. That could be a really good chunk of writing. But I wouldn't necessarily have anything left for the the day after or the day after that. Mm. And I can see as, as time went on, I got a bit better at writing smaller amounts, but each day, leaving yeah. something kind of in my head. Yeah. Kind of knowing, finishing off and knowing kind of where I was going to the next day. Yeah. So I can see that if you were um, you a know, serious professional writer, you would you would pace yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Because you can, I mean, you can under pressure, I guess, you know, Burn you out get, and get a lot and down, but you don't necessarily, um, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, you're going to be productive all week. I don't yeah. know, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. And
1: did you, because you, you sort of say at the very start of the book, um, well, what I got at before, that it's not, you know, not everyone, I'm sorry if you're not in this kind of thing, I haven't written about every album I haven't written about every band Um, but did you 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 obviously cover a lot of the key personalities that are connected with the label, there's a separate chapter on Chris Knox Mm -hmm. and he obviously comes up again and again through the book David Kilger is an interesting I would say almost an absence rather than a presence which Mm -hmm. describes his You know, he's mentioned but you talk about his reluctance or reticence it sort of seems like him and the clan birth the Dunedin sound or, or certainly co-authors of it and then that's a bit of a albatross in a sense for him for a while so he's almost lurking in the pages like his guitar sort of lurks and looms over so much of New Zealand music you know even when he hasn't made an album for a while he's this presence by not being present yeah huge. huge yeah, yeah. huge presence yeah. 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 yeah definitely were there um were there any characters or stories you started writing and then went because you're very frank in the book and we'll talk more about that So, but were there any particular characters or things where you actually got something down and went no this isn't working I have to delete this whole chapter about X person or particular no, I, band
2: not wholesale not a wholesale um, yeah chopping of anything it might yeah. have been a bit of a refinement yeah yeah sometimes you have little you know, little things that you've carried with you and in yeah. your head for yeah. 30 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Get, you, you find you're having, you know, you're doing a speedy bit of writing because you want to get something down and then you yeah. look at it the next day and you go, actually, that's. Yeah, yeah. No one needs to know. Or the, that I that. or the
1: writing of a story is sometimes not as interesting as the one you've carried in your head. You know, when you actually go to put it onto paper, I would imagine this came up with you, or it's more interesting. You yeah, know? yeah. I'll see what I can chop, jot down about such and such and then you're like, actually, that's taken me in a terrific, you know, it's taken yeah. me into some other tangents and.
2: Yeah, the process of actually writing writing yeah. stuff down is and you know the thinking that comes out of that. No, it's it's really interesting. And sometimes you're writing something, and you think actually that's actually quite petty, <laughs> and uh, I don't know what the problem was. And uh, yeah, you've kind of dealt with it. Not just uh, you're not going to put it in the book, but you've yeah. kind of dealt with it yourself. You know, and yeah, you've yeah. Kind of gone.
1: There were some really funny things for me reading the book because I guess I'm. Uh, um, I guess I'm a second-generation Flying Nun Mm -hmm. fan. You know, like, I grew up... um, I wasn't even aware of um, the stuff that was happening in the 80s until the very end of the 80s, which is when I sort of really started to check out music myself, and particularly into the 90s. So I jumped on all of those bands, the Verlaines, the Chills, you know, the Clean, Chris Knox. All of those things were really important to me, but roughly about 10 years after they'd started to make those tracks Mm. so your book was very interesting to me because um, it filled in a few little things that I'd never quite had clarified and one was um, I remember talking to Chris the first time I ever talked to Chris Knox on the telephone many years ago um, I think I was trying to be some sort of music journalist a student journalist and I had been given his number and I basically cold called him and Mm. um, he was very happy to chat and um, all of those things came out that you describe in his personality you know witty um cutting um sharp engaging honest all of those that play for all of those things and then I made the mistake because I had very limited um knowledge I could boast of around New Zealand music other than listening I made the mistake of saying that oh you know I've I was trying to sort of I think um I was trying to sort of clarify and qualify myself as being someone who knew anything about Dunedin and Dunedin music so I made the point of mentioning oh well I've got Matthew Bannister's book <laughs> you can see where this is going yes and I, I, I'm pretty sure I'd not actually read it at that point I just picked it up at a sale so I hadn't you know so I didn't know what I was getting myself in for and, and off he went on um, this tirade about uh, you know what that was like printing toilet paper and blah 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 and you know, obviously, I got from the conversation with him, he wasn't happy with it, but i never quite actually had spelt out right. the animosity between them as a result of that book.
2: Yeah, Chris. Uh, Chris. Um, or the
1: frustration he had, you know, and how personally he took.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he, yeah. he took it quite badly. Yeah, and I, I sort of always felt that he needed that um, he probably needed to ignore it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, just, that he overreacted. Did um. He, or what, yeah. or, well, he was hurt. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and to a certain extent, I mean, he's in. He's in that. His role in that book is a device to, yes. to create great drama and a bit of conflict that yes. uh, is yeah. going to make the book interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> if she would, I'd possibly be angry with that yeah. aspect.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it was just uh, you know, I had this uh, sort of make. I'm probably making myself sound like the dullard I deserve to be, but I had a eureka moment when I read your words about it, which which is simple and quick. But your words about it, you know. Um, it was like the penny finally dropped from me. I was like, ah, that's why he reacted like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a nice and memorable conversation I had with him, and I had a couple of others, you know, after, and he was always very, very yeah. nice in my dealings with him. But I, I never had that solved. So, yeah. so thank you for that. Um, what was it like um, for you sitting down with, I mean, someone like Chris and obviously... Separate to a memory of Chris, there's the stroke, and what's happened to him. But what's it like sitting down and deciding? Right, this chapter is going to be about how. How do I encapsulate a relationship like that? Yeah, it was a tricky. One. It
2: was a tricky one. That one it was. I sort of you know how to write
1: it,
3: where to
2: put it. Yes. Yeah, um, where to place it. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of a that was a bit of an ongoing issue for memory. It mm. was one of those things of how, where, you know how's this going to be. But the actual writing was probably reasonably straightforward. Yeah. Um, you know, I sort of felt I needed to be um, sort of f- frank. Yeah. Um, A because I could be because he's had the stroke and can't really respond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shane Carter and I have this. You know, it's like now's the time. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no. no. But um, I, you know, I sort of felt I sort of felt with the book that I've been quite frank about my own. Yes. Kind of, myself, I didn't really fit, th- you know, obviously you get to a point writing something like that, that, that the book is clearly not going to work unless you you open up and you, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. And honest about, yeah. you know, some of the things that happen, especially in relationship with the label, my own deficiencies. And with that, I kind of, I think I'm, you know, I sort of carry that across to, to, to writing about it. some other people that were quite close. Yeah. And it just seemed a complete waste of time to kind of beat around the bush and, you know, I just needed to sort of tell it the way I, mm. I, I sort of saw it. And, you know, I had huge a huge admiration for Chris. Yeah. And, you know, it was a really, I felt a really close friend. But, yeah. you know, there were times when it could be irritating.
1: Well, I like that you said that because I've, i and I'm sure other people feel this way, but you know there was a time in my life where he was probably the musician I I saw perform the most he regularly visited and played these memorable gigs at Bodega the old Bodega and some of them were like witnessing a car crash and some of them were like seeing the greatest and some of them were bits of both and you know maybe if he'd had I don't know a bit too much to drink or whatever one night he just got in such a state that he was amusing only to himself and um he was really quite you know this belligerence came out that you thought this is tantamount to career suicide but <laughs> you could argue that you know you know standing on stage in jandals as a one man band was his own living form of career suicide that he was comfortable do you know what I mean like that yeah. he was comfortable with like he yeah. he wasn't going to endanger where he was at so i i always found you know I'm, surpri- I'm sort of surprised more hasn't been written about him.
2: Yeah. I mean, huge body of, huge body of work. Yes, and know. influence. Yeah, totally.
1: And then, uh, and when you say huge body of work and you get into this, you know, the, the, the cartooning and the artwork and the, you know, someone said years ago someone should make a documentary about, um, or write a book about Chris Knox's 4 track. Yeah. You know, that that is its own, you know, that has, and you, you you talk about that in the book, like, that that is its own thing, mm-hmm. you know? If he'd just gifted that to New Zealand music, that would be something. Yeah. Or if he'd just done the cover of Boodle, you know, or those are all things, and then there's this huge body of musical work too.
2: Yes, I mean, it's a cliche kind of, you um, know, sort of Renaissance man is, yeah. I guess, what we would have called him 20 years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago. But, you know, being able to do just, being smart enough and kind of creative enough to be able to sort of dabble in all sorts of things and, and make a success of them. Yeah, to
1: eke out this living eventually. Mm. Through.
2: But also kind of knew his own limitations was and, and because of yes. that, I think quite uh, quite knowing about the power of um, collaboration. Mm, you know, mm. Working with working with people. You know, yeah. Knew that he knew a band. It took him quite a long time before he was comfortable. Yeah. Recording and performing solo. Yeah. And. Yeah, and then got back to, you know, having a band at the end, and I, yeah, just, just talented, creative, and just willing to let it all sort of, you know, let it all out, and um, I guess, yeah, it's sort of interesting, I mean, it's sort of, it's a big chunk of cultural sort of history, really, you know, and there's interesting comics, Mm. popular music. Phil. Film and it's not the highbrow stuff that he was interested in. He hated yeah
1: B grade sci
2: fi, yeah was, schlock, yeah horror. So he kind of he, did, he hated the kind of the academically intellectual yeah. kind of view of the world. You know, yeah. dropped, like all of us, dropped out of university and, and kind of shunned that and sort of saw that as a, as a nonsense.
1: I guess the cartooning, in a way, identifies you. It still does with people. Identifies them with some sort of artistic underground mm. over. You know, uh, and there's obviously there's some extraordinary artwork that goes into this, but it still sort of positions people away from the galleries, away from the yep. pretentiousness of that haunts a lot of art for you know for certain audiences and people.
2: I mean, it's interesting because the uh, the art he's been doing recently is basically painting with his switched hands, switch right? hands, yep. yeah, which yeah. I can't imagine how you do that. No, and you know, some of it is kind of that kind of grungy, funny characters yeah. you know quite yeah big grade kind of yeah you know, where you don't quite is that a joke at the end I'm yeah. not quite sure. Yeah. And then other other stuff that he's doing are these quite amazing paintings of, you know, friends and you you look at them and you know that's yeah there's interpretation, there's fantastic you know, they're fantastic portraits.
1: The personality comes out yeah, in the totally yeah, and there's yeah.
2: a there's a view and an interaction between the person yeah. painted and Chris and you think yeah. wow what's Yeah. Where does this come from? Yeah. How does this so there's a, you know, he's got quite a lot, well, it's a huge range. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, he just willing to dabble, you know, never wanting to get into anything too mm. deep, I think, which is
1: good. We, I mean, you and I, we've, we've met a couple of times and had a couple of conversations, but, you know, I've, I obviously felt I got to know you a lot more through reading the book. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... um one of the things I probably, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, I certainly thought this beforehand, but it comes out on most of the pages of the book, is that your story, and as much as it mingles with Flying Nun, and, and I think you you know, you know, balance that pretty well, and that we get some insight into how you grew up, but you realise that actually you as a person, you know, the details of your life need to be the ones that align you with Flying Nun and with music, mm. rather than knowing every little thing about your parents and your... Yeah.
2: We don't. You don't want to know about you know the grand, the great grandfather. Yeah, all those about.
1: biographies that start with you know <laughs> my my dad's father first docked and, and people skip those pages now, oh, don't yes. they? You know yeah, the yeah. first twelve to twenty pages. People. Yeah, if you're lucky, twelve. Yeah, then, yeah, 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 and yeah, exactly. Um, but your story has always sort of seemed to me, and and the the book brought this back that in a way, and I, and I'm I'm not meaning to sort of trivialise this because I, I I guess there was a a madness and a lot of. anxiety and luck and things but your story seems like the luckiest music fan in New Zealand
2: Mm. oh yes definitely if
1: not the world you know
3: oh yes definitely lucky
1: you met your heroes you helped invent a lot of them Mm -hmm. you reinvented some of them you contextualised them um, you got to the music that you liked you got to hear it and got to put it out into the world and were connected to it and I, uh, you know you were sort of you've always sort of you talked about you know yourself as a music fan that's what you mm. bring to it you know you you ended up a label owner but that yep. wasn't the plan going in
2: no not at all no definitely a fan i mean i don't really you know i kind of recognise quite early on that i don't really have the patience it's probably, it's, probably not, it's probably not the lack of talent, it's the
1: lack of patience to yeah. find out if I've, got, if I've got any talent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> not going not to do the 10,000 hours. No, no, no,
2: no, certainly not. And, um, you know, and I see people that are just instantly, you know, at that time in the late 70s where yeah. everyone was picking up instruments, I could see people picking up instruments and actually being immediately quite good at it. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, sufficiently good to be able to form a band and thinking, you know, I actually can't do that. I can't actually even tune the guitar. And, and it was... Um,
1: it was punk that allowed that right too—that that that, yeah. that you could have something to say even if you weren't instantly good. That that yeah. actually might be what's interesting about it, or that. But that gave people the eye, the the confidence or whatever or whatever sign off it was to have a go. And if they were great straight away, that was some yeah, sort of bonus too.
2: Yeah, I mean, all those people that picked up instruments and decided they, you know, that it was possible to be in a band and for their audience, no matter how small, to actually allow them to kind of grow up in public. Because uh, you know, it's when you it's when you learn the most, it's playing in front of an audience, and uh, you know, not so much in the practice room. And it was sort of the same with the label, you know? Yeah. It was that do-it-yourself, this is possible. Yes, that whole thing of, um, you know, record yeah. punk, do-it-yourself, yeah. and then kind of record companies and distribution sort of set and networks uh, developing to uh, kind of... Uh distribute that music, and I guess I was kind of conscious of all that, kind of conscious that there were kind of regional music scenes developing, and, you know, that the the and Pia we were from some godforsaken place that yeah. wasn't New York, Akron, Ohio, and Cleveland and whatnot, and that, you know, there's postcard records in Glasgow, and there was, there was this thing happening in Manchester, so... So we were sort of kind of this regional, you know, this sort of regional view of the music that was happening in Christchurch and then Dunedin as well. So, so knowingly regional, but also connect, knowing that there was this kind of international yeah. aspect to it, that there was something linking us. And I guess that is something that we tapped into as we kind of started to look a bit more overseas later on. Yeah. But yeah, it was that definitely, you know, punk, post-punk high attitude to making music. It had to it had to kind of change. Cause Rip it up and start again.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And because things were bad. I mean, things were, the music had kind of become elitist. It was, um, you know, the progressive rock. I mean, it was all about how well you could play and it sort of became quite inaccessible for, well, how do you play it? How do you go along and watch it?
1: And the sort of absurdity of, stadium rock had kicked way into you know you yep. take a band like the Eagles yep. you know they, they did actually come from sort of humble and and, and overtly musical you know a backing yep. band uh, I mean I've never really been a fan but those first couple of albums mm-hmm. you can see that they're quite a rustic talented yep. combo that was all irrelevant they were just giant you know yeah, yeah, movie movie stars of music yeah yeah totally so yeah. there's, there's a, that thing going on grand the grand, the grand yeah. scale of it
2: yeah um, you know, if you were a band, how do you get signed to a record I mean in New Zealand there was there were no record companies weren't really signing local bands. Yeah. Uh the kind of the music scene was sort of generally covers bands, you know. Yeah. Big big suburban barns, mm. like playing overseas mm. hits. So it was sort of a terrible time and something, you know, it was a slow burner. <laughs> something yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. And it did happen. Yeah. And um it didn't sort of blow away the rest of the word. It didn't blow away everything instantly. It was kind of a great, you know, persistent tidal wave, uh, really. Uh. Um, and there was sort of, it was that end of the business that sort of adapted the whole new wave thing, you know, the skinny tie. Yeah. And then what I think is sort of the more interesting thing that came out of it, which was that whole post-punk, that kind uh. of attitude to you know, music as art and uh, uh. anything's possible, experiment, experiment you know just kind of carried through all the way through the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a great time for music.
1: The um, the other thing that's sort of um, levelled at you that I think is uh, the other great compliment beyond, um, you know, being a music fan that got to en- enable all of these things and, and live this sort of dream is that people always talk about that you had or have great ears. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know about that, given that, like last year you, you you sort of laughed at me for walking out of a Mogwai show because you've heard them louder and I couldn't take how loud that was so I wanted to know um, <laughs> you're clearly not protecting those ears no. um, so I wanted to know your thoughts around having these good ears and, and what that means to you because it's I guess it's a burden of responsibility but, but at the same time well, people love being told they have great taste what right? that's why they hang particular pictures on their walls that's why they put things on Facebook now mm. they, they, they want to be Reaffirmed, you know they want to be told you've you're you're heading in the right direction.
2: Yeah, I guess um, if you have a record label, you know the, the the affirmation is in the form of record sales. Yes. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I have very little technical musical mm. know-how. Mm. I hate recording studios. Yeah, because the only <laughs> thing that ever seems to be moving in a recording studio is the clock. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I always find if I'm in a recording studio that's because I very soon start yeah. to focus on the clock yeah. and the complete lack of action and I get quite <laughs> agitated and you know, I have to leave. Yeah. Um, but has um,
1: cups of tea and then something a bit stronger than that. Right? Oh yeah, just like <laughs> dithering
2: around while some tape machine rewinds at a <laughs> yeah. very, very slow speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, you know, um, music I like, I, I, I guess... I've always had trouble kind of articula- articulating, yeah. you know, what I yeah, think of music. Yeah. yeah, I've always never found that easy. And one of the interesting things with writing the book was that I really had, to, I really had to, and yeah. because I wasn't, because I wasn't going into a huge amount of depth with the individual bands. I found that I had to kind of make it quite short and sharp. Yeah, but it did sort of concentrate my mind quite nicely, and sort of trying to come to terms with the Dunedin sound, you know, which I've, mm. I've sort of said. I think over the last sort of 20 years, you know, exists, doesn't exist, definitely exists, uh-huh. definitely doesn't exist, yeah. and changed my mind a couple of times while, while actually look, <laughs> looking at yeah. it in the book. So, um, you know, again, that's a good thing that comes out of the writing, that you sort of start to think about, well, I start to think about the music in quite a bit of depth in order to kind of write about it in a way that, you know, mm. seemed, I guess, insightful or at least descriptive and accurate and that I really enjoyed and I'd really like to sort of go back to that place and keep on exploring that angle really mm. because it really it kind of helped you know it's 35 years of not doing that of kind of being generalising yeah. about how, what the actual band sound like yeah. uh, I, I actually really enjoy trying to get a bit closer to the to actually be able to describe it in a meaningful way
1: so you've just agreed to write a second volume, and that'll be out when? I haven't agreed to. <laughs> I agreed to, uh, anything.
2: Um, yeah, but I can see how you could get. You know, I can see how you can get into this um, mm. writing thing and uh, not be not be able to get out.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was back in about two thousand and nine or so. I asked you to write a um, a, a wee post for me sort of about New Zealand music and whatever you wanted to. And I, I looked at that recently and I remember thinking at the time, I'm always grateful when anyone wants to step in and, and give me a day off anyway, but I remember reading it and going, you know, I look forward to his book. That's obviously going to happen. That was right. it for me. Like, oh, I mean, okay. this, this guy can write. Yeah, I don't know what writing he's done in the past, apart from sort of some notes and letters here and there, but he can write. And so the, I, I sort of always imagined a book was coming... On the
2: back of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's sort of, um, I guess I have, you know, just through work, you end up
1: yeah, writing anything. Yeah,
2: that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, but anything, anything, not a press, card, <laughs> writing <a> press release. <laughs> no, that's a killer, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've, I've actually employed people to write press releases yeah. and watch them. Yeah. Watch them uh, experience the pain. Um, yeah. Terrible business. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I guess I have written sort of, you know, bits yeah. and pieces. Uh but writing a book is a whole different ball game, you know, you're mm. writing about 80,000 plus words. And you just kind of, I just found I lost all perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that's five or 10,000 words in.
1: So I asked you this when you came in the door before we turned the tape on, but um, when did you know you had a book?
2: I kind of knew the, I guess I read enough, I read enough, well, I read generally quite a lot. Yeah. So I, uh, probably 20% of that reading are sort of music related yeah. books. I kind of knew the story was good enough
3: yeah
2: I, was kind of, I guess I was kind of doubtful about how what shape that would take I was kind of not necessarily all that confident about my own ability to, to write it well enough for people did to you have to
1: this? Did, did you ever pursue with the publisher or have a discussion around the idea of a ghost writer or a, no. as told to or anything like that no was going to be you
2: yeah yeah no I mean because you can you know those music books are, are ghost written mm. we all know they're ghost written yeah you know, like the Keith Richards one. Yeah. It's at about halfway through, you think, uh oh.
1: <laughs> Jeez, you made a lot further than me before you <laughs> yeah, that it's, like, oh, it's like, oh,
2: i fed up with this conversation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but I found
1: that a very frustrating book. Yeah, I'm glad I read it. Yeah. I stuck yeah. with it, but uh, the, the, the sort of near universal praise for that book just baffled me. But I guess that's Keith, and that's the
2: Stones now. Yeah, like yeah. He's
1: the star of the show. Totally. So many people, and.
2: I mean, you know, what's the choice of that book? Or the Neil Young uh, autobiography, which is totally unreadable. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the other version of the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the two sides. That's, a ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a crazy man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I guess I sort of, I mean, obviously, the thing with the going with a big publisher is that you have that editorial support. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got that safety net of someone correcting your appalling grammar. If yeah, yeah. Appalling and appalling <laughs> spelling mistakes. Yeah. And, it's pulling you up on bit, bit, factual uh, things that you know—is that a fact or did you dream it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but no, I was, and I get, but I guess I, I, to to a point you get so far and you lose all perspective just because of the size of the yeah, yeah, thing, and you're yeah. kind of still umming and airing about the, you know, you're not quite 100 percent sure of the shape it's going to take. Yeah. But that's probably when you sort of let go to a certain extent. Yeah. And I. um that it sort of seemed to sort of become quite a natural, a natural thing. Mm, mm. But I mean, I was I you know I, I was um, I was quite behind when I was at school with my well with everything yeah <laughs> including sport <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I was sort of generally disinterested. But I remember they dragged me along. You know, I was, perhaps I was diagnosed at one stage as being d- dyslexic. You know, yeah. being unable to. You know, remember the spellings of words and have trouble with never reading them. But So despite that, I actually think I was just unmotivated yeah. um, and really disinterested and probably quite lazy. Um, and then I sort of started reading, did quite well at high school, went to university and had to drop out, but I've never felt confident about my ability to write. I've always been a big reader and I think probably, you know, 40 mm. years of reading is probably it's probably paid off. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, I I I probably felt a bit, you know, at least at least I kind of knew what was required. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. um you know not that it not that I was sort of picking anyone's style to, to follow it's just that subliminal thing of no, I, t-
1: I totally had that feeling for myself I mean I, one of the things and you don't, don't say this sort of arrogantly or anything but one of the things I kept thinking as I was slipping behind and seeing the deadline getting closer was I've read so many music books I can do this mm. you know there was a, that was a little part of the kind of inspiration and motivation and, and reassurance yep. it was, I, I can do this you know I've not only have i gathered the information i need for my book and 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 i and i write regularly but i've also read lots of books i've seen how this is done and i'm yep. not, i'm not trying to rip any of them off but yep so i understand that i yeah. that exact feeling
2: yeah so i mean it's um you know so for the for the 17 year old me you know if you'd, yeah. i was going to yeah. write a book that would yeah I would have uh, just like if you said I'd end up running a record yeah. company, I guess.
1: Well, what's this all been like? This, um, you know, I've heard you refer to it already as saying being on the other side. What's it been like going around talking to people uh, about yourself, about the book, about the, the record label, the story?
2: Yeah, I guess a bit, a bit weird. In, being in, in public. Yeah, being in public. I guess I've been in public a bit in yeah. the past, but never as the actual, you know, creator of something. of a... Yeah. Of a you're still
1: the guy behind the guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah,
2: to a certain extent. yeah, so it's quite different. So I've sort of been the temperamental talent, really. Yeah, of, uh, <laughs> getting, getting your own back. <laughs> and I know that, you know, probably in you know, a sort of... Well,
1: that's a bit like reading lots of music books. You've, you've studied lots of people <laughs> lots of temperamental <laughs> talent. So you know how to do this.
2: Yeah, and I've only got probably another couple of weeks to um, enjoy this. Uh, enjoy yeah, 15 this. Minutes. Yeah, well, yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 minutes. And then, you know, I don't know, I guess it'll be... Uh, or if you get a real job, back to a real job, <laughs> or, uh, or, or 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 another book, perhaps. But yeah, yeah, yeah no. There's the, the brief window of, um, you know, of my my kids being embarrassed by yeah, my, my you... voice on radio or whatever, and or around town. So,
1: well, do you feel? Did you feel, or have you sort of prepped them about the book? Do did, did, did you say to them, "There's something"? Because I mean, I don't think there's anything in the book that uh, at all makes you look bad or is worrying, but I don't know what kids are like these days and whether the kids at their school uh, whose parents are going to read it. And <laughs> make, uh, <laughs> mate, I'm, I'm being careful at because I'm probably scaring you on a whole level you, you might not have prepared for, but uh, well, was there that conversation or did you have to say to their mother, you know, like...
2: Not really. I mean, there were a few things that I alerted um, my wife to that yeah. I thought she should actually yeah, yeah. read before it yeah. went off. Um my wife, being of course, my harshest critic. No, yeah, they always yeah, are by by far.
1: And 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 all the better for that, right? Yeah, extraordinary. So yeah.
2: you know things you've never thought about. Yeah. But that no one else seems to notice. that's yeah. totally flawed about
1: you. you're, that you're project- <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Or in your life that you're projecting
2: the whole time. Yeah. But, um, you know, a new one every day. <laughs> yeah. Just to keep you, just to keep you in your place. Yes. But yeah. Um, yeah, the kids. No, I we wish we sh- I mean, she read it and. The youngest, the 11-year-old, she sort of off her own bet, sort of decided that it probably was, wasn't was a book she could read until she was 16. Yeah, so yeah. I don't so know where she bought got yourself that. a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I had to, I sort of felt, I sort of felt that my mother, uh she went into a home earlier yes. in the end, and I felt that I I kind of I kind of relaxed with the, I felt I could kind of get on and finish the book when yeah. she became sort of... um Well, to a point where I I knew she wouldn't read it yeah so um, that I would have uh, and I could have never read it if my father was still alive he would have been absolutely horrified yeah but there's no you know we've all read music books so we all know what happens
1: out there the ones that don't work usually are the ones that don't have you know the stories we want right there's a certain requirement that there needs to be some of I guess the sex and drugs element the rock Mm. and roll is implied yeah, and the sex and/or drugs aspect is, is part of what people crave from those. Totally, totally books, right. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, um, I mean, I don't think I think it's all in proportion what's in the book.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't. It's. I don't think there's anything at all embarrassing in there, and um, at all. But it's really quite um, uh, interesting that you sort of. I mean, it's a, it's quite an understated book in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And, um, which, which I'm, I'm guessing seems largely in keeping with your sort of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are the, these, there are these very sort of franco missions though of, you know, I was, I wasn't really paying attention cause I was off doing so- anything else or I was mm-hmm. off doing something else or mm-hmm. I'd had too much that day. So I don't remember, you know, so there are those sorts of things in there, which I think, um, I guess strengthen the story because, they give us the little insights into your biography without
2: giving us your full biography. Yes, well, the full biography would be, you know actually quite boring, I think. Well, uh, it is for just about <laughs> everyone, isn't it?
1: That's the thing. Like, uh, you know, there there aren't that many really interesting people. It's the experiences they have and what they end up mm. getting into, and that's what they, you know, a good me- by um, a good memoirist. Yeah, I
2: pulls think that out. I think I sort of became conscious that I needed to be reasonably sort of frank and honest about yeah. about everything um, that kind of influenced the way the, the record label developed and that, you know that it simply wasn't going to work without without yeah, so that, mm. that's all that all makes helps helps helps, helps the reader make sense of, of yeah I, and, the, I, and the record company I was so. amazed
1: to hear like sort of how many copies of Boodle sold and things like that because there's been a wonderful sort of folklore that's been built up, which is, which is, you know, I think a lot of it's honest and, and so forth, but then there's probably been a little bit of sort of poetic license from retailers of the tale because, mm. you know, a Flying Nun couldn't have lasted for as long as it did if it was a total and utter bomb, right? Mm. Like, it, 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 you know, the, the little engine that could store, st- you know, story works, but um, it, there needed to be some sales. Oh, so when me. I first heard about Flying Nun, I was sort of like, how well, how does it still exist then if no one, you know, if this, this music's not, can't be a complete secret, you know, we're arriving at it, there's already been an audience that's experienced it, they must have purchased it, and it turns out they did.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the so, clean, I mean, kickstarted it totally. Yeah. And so for me, as a fan starting the label, you know, it, it, we could have achieved that sort of, that initial goal of just, you know, recording, say, Bill Darien, uh, Yeah. Or, you know, some the pin group and selling yeah. those three or five hundred copies yeah. probably around Christchurch or potentially yeah, yeah. a bit further afield but with the clean I mean it's to those sales you know it's, we were, I was the lucky fan because yeah. the sales just um, meant that there was it doesn't mean there was a whole lot of profit you know selling yeah, an EP yeah. doesn't yeah, there's yeah, yeah, right. much profit margin but all of a sudden there's all this money sloshing around that you know there it was cash flow and
1: it's getting the brand out there yep. you know it's but there's an
2: awareness around this is a new out yeah, of this crazy naive confidence you have we oh, have done this once yeah and there's all these other good bands
1: um, I mean it's because I, I don't have a, an original copy of that but I, I I always used to look at the one that was at Real Groovy in Auckland that had about a hundred hundred and fifty dollar <laughs> price right. ticket on it and you know that was a beacon just going this thing's obviously important before I actually knew the music on it yeah. and then you hear the music on it and like well to my ears today I'm like that's still one of the great EPs in terms of what an EP, you know like a business
2: card yeah yeah into
1: both that, that band's world and Flying Nun's world yeah
2: that's no, a great re- great sounding record yeah I mean Doug and Chris did a really you know yeah that's the, that, and that's the record that you know that essentially I've built my relationship with Chris and Doug Hood yeah on you know the, yeah. the connection was the clean yeah they're friends from Enemy and Toilet and even earlier on yeah and you know, without their involvement. You know, I, 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 I'm I, not sure how, how the, the whole thing was developed. Yeah, so there.
1: Doug's a really important figure. I mean, he comes up in the book a lot. He's crucial.
2: Yeah. 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 He's just one of those... Yeah, again,
1: book. probably a little bit um, underwritten, under-celebrated in the scheme of things. Yeah. Well,
2: people... Yeah, I guess if you're talking about Chris and Doug... Yeah. Um, you know the, the, Because um, Chris is the natural... Mm. extrovert showman. Mm. I guess he, he sort of swallowed up the, uh, the, yeah. the, the attention really. Yeah. But I mean Doug was, you know, he was he was never the enemy or toy love's manager, but he was kind of the fix, you know, yeah. the sound man yeah. and fixer, I guess you call him. Yeah, the guy yeah. that just sorted stuff out.
1: Made sure the gig went on and made yeah. sure they got out of town with yeah. everything afterwards. Yeah. And all
2: those practical early on with flying on, all those practical things if there needed to be a tour organized to raise some money for someone to get overseas or yeah. get some money to be raised to to make a recording. Yeah. He was the nuts and bolts guy that just got it done. Yeah. yeah. So he's, you know, quite rare in that he had the sort of practical ability mm. to do stuff where well, all the rest of us were yeah. kind of, well, you know, I was just finding out how to do it, really.
1: Yeah. yeah. You mentioned in the book Simon Gregg uh, a couple of times, and you mentioned him, obviously, like, Propeller existed yeah. already, and you sort of say, like, you know, that was someone to have a conversation with and take something of a cue from. I was sort of interested in that... Um, you know his his book last year, which again is you know it's really about OMC mm-hmm. and obviously there's bits of his biography, little bits blended yeah. into it. But I mean that was the I think that was the great New Zealand music book of last year, mm-hmm. and yours is, is already and is going to be the great New Zealand music book of this year. Thank you. Probably for years to come, in many w- ways, it's certainly going to stick around. Obviously, but but um, you know did you talk to him at all recently about writing? Because he seems to, you know, he's a guy who's obviously always written here and there in various capacities, but he seems to have pulled a book out. I mean, I remember talking to him years ago and uh, say five years ago, and he was very much, I've written half the book, but I don't know if it's going to see the light of day. And I remember sort of, you know, going, writing back to him and saying, and I've never actually met him, but we've corresponded a bit. And I remember writing back and saying, you know, please, please make sure that story comes out because only Mm. you can tell that story. And,
2: uh, you know... Yeah, it didn't really talk to him about the writing of the book. I mean, I knew... I actually couldn't read that book until I'd completely finished my own. Yeah, right. It came out at a sort of awkward time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think by that stage, I'd sort of just... I'd actually stopped reading completely. I was really trying to control uh, how much input... Yes. And how much... um, I didn't need any outside stimulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't need to read. I didn't need to read his, as well. read his book and go, oh my god! I need to change the whole. Yeah, 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 yeah. These 150 pages I've written are no good. <laughs> <laughs> I need to rewrite them. It's just a slight. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's a fantastic book and a real gosh, what a story! Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, that's that thing is that I guess he's blessed with, and I mean, it's the same with you, blessed with a fascinating story. Uh, you know, F- Flying Nun is a fascinating story. It's travelled, you know, like people know about the Flying Nun. A, lo- a lot of what people know about New Zealand music comes from an understanding, at least to begin with, of Flying Nun, right? Yeah. Like in pockets of America and in Europe and the UK,
3: yeah.
1: they know about the Chills and the Clean. Maybe they've seen them, mm. and then they know about Flying Nun through that, yeah. and then you know, then they get back to things like Split Ends and things that are really nothing to do with but were sort of around at the same time or whatever existed completely on their own you know they sort of arrived at that whereas a lot of Kiwis already knew everything else before yes yeah Yeah. so Flying Nuns so it's a story that's travelled it's a story that people know and are interested in but still required putting together and that's the same with Simon with with his book you know the OMC story is fascinating anyway but it had to benefit the fact that he was very good at telling it not, not just because he was there Yeah. There's, there's some very good writing in that book
2: yeah well, I guess the writing I mean the writing the, the writing and Simon does do, enjoy writing yes And he's probably yeah 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 and what I've, what I've I, I guess he's, he's been quite conscious consciously writing on a regular basis yeah before he started yeah. that book whereas I kind of came to the book you've found
1: out you've found out that you enjoy writing yeah (laughs) totally yeah
2: and it's um no it's interesting it's interesting it's really it's been which is great because
1: it's not everyone's experience when they've written a book a lot of people go right I'll never do that again I hate writing yeah well
2: it's exhausting I mean it's I think I said before it's a bit like not that I would personally know what it's like to have a baby but I've yeah I I kind of observe that you know you really, you're never going to have one after you've had your yeah, your, yeah. your first baby. It's right yeah.
1: up until you do again. <laughs> you yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: It seems like you forget. You know, yes, you enjoy all the all the positive the positive bits that come out of it, um, and then somehow you're um, you're on the verge of uh, doing it all over again. But yeah, no, it's been fantastic. I've, yeah, no, it's it's. I really thoroughly enjoyed Simon's book, and it kind yeah. of it's, sort of it's quite a different world. Yeah, yeah. That he inhabits and we yes. inhabit. Yes. And that whole major record company thing. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I'm fascinated by all that sort of stuff.
1: Because you've seen it and, and lived around it a little bit. But, around, yeah, but close not enough. Re- yeah, close enough to retreat, <laughs> I guess. Close enough. Almost got sucked
2: into it a few yeah, times. Yeah. It's pretty horrifying.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me about, um, I guess anything that you can think of that you now that you wished you'd gone into more detail in the book or that you'd included or that you know you couldn't include is there anything that sort of sticks out and you go oh, a few
2: people um, I've had a few or that p-
1: people have asked yeah probably yep. m- not so much what you think but yeah. what people have told you <laughs> no there's been the
2: odd outrage on Facebook oh um, really someone's yeah. flicked through the book and the book not noticed
1: their name <laughs> name not in
2: the index <laughs> Obviously I haven't read the forward or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I feel some quite bad I mean there's some bands that I absolutely love that don't even get a mention. Yeah right. HDU. Yeah, yeah. About like one of my favourite bands. Yeah. I don't even it just the book just never got goes goes near toward them. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is sad, but you know, that's it's it's a different I it's a different story.
1: No mention is better than a pointless sort of you know ticking off of the name for no reason though. Yeah. You know, well, may, maybe not to the friends and family and people, yeah. but, you know, if, as a reader, there's no point unless there's a context
2: around it. Well like it's, it's so easy to see how the thing could have been uh, just a giant list of yeah. events. Yeah,
1: names and dates. And names and
2: dates, catalogue number for the yeah. you know, for the nerd-ish. <laughs> And that would be really boring.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well that's a different book if yeah. if, if that needs no, to that book exist. should never be written. That's <laughs> right. If, if that book needs to exist someone will do that and hopefully Hopefully not in this case. Yeah,
2: but I think there's um no, it's a few people have probably me up on a few things. Like this. So a couple
1: of bands. I was going to say I saw um a, a, a review uh, might have been Graham Reed's review, and you know it was an altogether largely positive review, but it suggested that um, there were a couple of errors and a couple of punches pulled. But then it didn't really elaborate on what those might have been. So I thought, well, that's you know
2: yeah. Uh, oh, there's there's a few things. I mean the um, the Stones cassette, Give Me Smelter. Yeah, that was about. Uh, I've forgotten it wasn't about the one near in, uh, in Bacargo. Right, right. It right. was the one that was proposed for um, me and Dunedin. Yeah, yeah. Which I'd f- forgotten about completely. Yeah, someone, someone put me right on that. Okay. Someone claims to have seen. It. Someone was telling me the other day that they actually saw a letter from Martin Smith saying we could do the fourth album. Right. Which. Um,
3: yeah.
2: Gosh wonder where that is I think we were all so transfixed by the crazy handwriting yeah yeah that we didn't actually um, so that changes that story a bit if it's true yeah could have saved, could have saved a whole lot of money on that one <laughs> <laughs> if we kept it. <laughs> is that a contract must be anyway um, the so there's the odd oh yes someone was saying I couldn't believe I didn't uh, write about because I had a sort of a, an old uh, Jag Mark II Jaguar yeah. in the 80s which I think I sold, actually, because we needed the money to yeah. record something. But I think I was rather notorious for... we quite Because I had a decent stereo quite often with that Yeah, We jump into that to hear something yeah. like career around town on it. Yeah, it was probably Jim Wilson that wanted the mention of the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just small things. But, I mean, it's, yeah. um, it's interesting what people pick up on.
1: Well, because this is an interesting thing, because people have their own attachment to to this story for many reasons mm-hmm. many, many you're writing about New Zealand label that you that you, you know that you created but most of the people associated with it are still around Yes, many of them still trying to make a, yep. make a living or still making a living through the same pursuit yeah so you know and, and and so many of us being a small country connected to it not just because of our listening to the music but because we know these people as well mm. or, or just in that great music fan way we feel we know them you know we think we know them because yes. of their music we think their music is the song of our life and, yeah. and it is You know, it and it's weirdly
2: amplified because of the size of yeah. well the lack of size of New Zealand yes, or the size right. of the music the yeah. extended music community yeah. so yeah it's, all, it's a hothouse um, which is sort of how those scenes developed in the first place
1: well I wanted to um, pick up on you, you talked about one of chris Knox's sort of i guess strengths was knowing his limitations, and i or that he was aware of them, and I sort of think like um that's true of most of the people you write about in that book mu- the musicians I think you know Martin Phillips to me doesn't strike me as a great um performer uh watch thinking of the Chill Show earlier this year it was extraordinary because mm. they just a good version of that band lined up most of their very best songs and nailed them and yeah. so like but he you know he's not and I mean I know he has you know health issues and stuff as well but but he strikes me as someone who's not this gifted performer but he's a great chinsmith so that's his strength and yeah. so he doesn't try to sell this version of him that he is not
2: no you know? I think you get uh, I think everyone sort of It's like, I think, because of the size of New Zealand, you know, you can't, it's like you can't pull a a fast one, you can't pretend to be. Something you're not, yeah, you get get found out quicker. And caught on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Whereas perhaps, I don't know, different cultures, perhaps in America, people are more accepting of you being someone quite. A bit of
1: a fraud. (laughs) You get away (laughs)
2: with it for a while. Well, that's
1: true. We, We, you know, we really kind of come down hard on an idea I mean I know I do I'm sure other people do we come down hard on an idea that something's not authentic mm,
2: authentic being that, the key the yeah, word Yeah. and you know you know it you know it when you see it and um, you know if, if, if it was never an important part of what I saw in a, a band going to see a band it wasn't the excitement it was, it was the music itself not yeah. someone putting on a show that was merely a distraction to me and I guess that's something that came out of the you know, again, out of the punk thing. Yeah, it was about the music, not the not well. The that, show
1: well. The show can be wonderful as well. Like yep. distraction can be wonderful, mm. but it, it, again, that's knowing limitations. And sometimes that all of that pageantry is because you don't have yeah great tunes or great you know something yeah you don't have that X factor, so you develop a, an engaging and or over the top performance style, and that actually gathers fans and works yeah. Is, you know and I don't have a problem with that sometimes but most <laughs> fun, mo- mostly I'm looking for you know myself mostly I'm looking for tunes mm. you know one way or another they don't, have, they don't have to be pop tunes you hear on the radio but I'm looking for some sort of uh, you know uh, in music I want something to hang on to Yeah, yeah, totally. you know? so it can be free improvised music absolutely yep. it doesn't have to have a structure And some of that is incredibly rewarding and, yep. and it lives in your head for days afterwards but sometimes it just drifts off and you don't you, got, you walk away from the gig with nothing to hang on to
2: no no totally no the song was important and I, I guess that was a, str- a strength I think of a lot of the well a huge number of the bands the, yeah. the bulk of the bands that we worked with and it was taken very seriously in Dunedin um, late 70s early 80s you know all those guys yeah. all those people that were in those bands it was always about the song and you sort of it was interesting because seeing the Villains you hear this at the Aspie Yeah, school, yeah, yeah 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 seeing how complicated those songs were I was and blown away by that gig because yeah, I, in a, in a way
1: that I don't want to say I wasn't expecting to be, but mm. I just thought following the Chills, who uh, were you know are just you know at their worst, incredibly competent mm. and and just so good song wise, I just thought well I've because I'd never seen the Violets, so I was very excited to to would seen Graham play solo, and I thought. Um, you know, I wonder what this will be like. Probably won't be a patch on the night before. And obviously it's apples oranges, but yeah. there was such a an energy about the performance and then yeah, those songs were great and very weird and tricky and quirky. Yeah. And yet they come across it was great watching all these people sort of relive their university days too. Like vicariously I was kind of, you know, watching the dancing on the side <laughs> of the stage and just going, That's magic like those that's like if I you know, as I say, in that second wave, that would mm-hmm. be like me at a Garage Land
3: reunion right. or a, yep. f-
1: you know, Fur Patrol or, um, you know, Superette. Those yep. sorts of bands were my university era yep. things that I felt like I had discovered.
2: No, it was a fantastic show. It, yeah. Again, it was what re- reminded me about was how complicated those so you know, how, well, not yeah. complicated, but how how involved. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, how the written thing.
1: they are. Yeah, like, how much thinking going yeah. into those. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: and so how, how that Graham, so hard they that Graham, to is,
1: Graham isn't uh, there's a difference I guess that Graham's a composer maybe as opposed to a songwriter he's writing you know he's approaching it like a composer mm. perhaps
2: I guess is definitely a different but all the, a lot of those Dunedin bands were quite com- I mean the Chills you yeah. know yeah I mean they wrote Martin wrote very some songs very simple others yeah. quite involved yeah Pink Frost, you know, magical song, just so totally different to anything yeah, else yeah. that's ever been.
1: Weird structure yeah, to, yeah. to a lot of these songs and same with The Clean, you know.
2: Tony Ho, does that have a song <laughs> structure? You know, yes, yeah. it's, it's pretty basic. That's it. But, um, you know, and quite a variety, again, The Chills, The Clean, quite a variety of material. Yeah, yeah. I guess with The Clean you've got three people contributing, but... Um.
1: So, what happens when you get sick of the label and walk away? How does that... How does that happen? What what makes you go What ultimately makes you go Can't do this anymore Or what price is put at you Or you know what What's the thing That makes you go um, I well, need to grow up Or <laughs> I need to grow apart from this
2: Yeah Well I left um, I left flying um, Towards the end of the 90s 1990s Yeah I mean there were a lot of um, Ownership Changes going on. Mushroom yeah, sure. Records were sort of in the process of selling their remaining shares to, to Warners. Uh, well no, it was News Corp. Right. And you know, it was all the, the whole so the whole structure, the whole setup. Yeah. Um, director that I was quite close to, co-owner of Mushroom, Gary Ashley yeah. had gone. Yeah. So it was all lots of people were going. Go
4: yeah.
2: So it was the time to get out really. And we, were, we just found out that we were going to be parents I it just seemed the right time to. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't much fun yeah. I didn't, wasn't quite ready to come back to New Zealand Yeah. but when we, when we did because the kids were getting older and the oldest one was on the verge of coming home and saying innit yeah. so we lived in these, these <laughs> clothes and yeah. it was like you couldn't take that going, she's got a Cockney she's got a Cockney accent she's going to be saying in it any minute we managed to <laughs> avoid that <laughs> managed to avoid that but
1: did, was that something that you'd did you think, oh, I want my kids to go to school in New Zealand to grow uh, up in a small, not necessarily?
2: Yeah, I wasn't possibly quite ready to come back. But um, my wife got offered a job here in Wellington. Yeah, as a lawyer. Yeah, uh, public law. Public law tends to be here. Yeah, and I was kind of resistant to the idea of coming to Wellington. I thought know, oh. sort because of, I just always had the set idea that I'd go back to living in Auckland.
1: I'm sure lots of people have done this, but one one of the things I I thought with your book was. It was very interesting to get the perspective of a person not just who'd travelled and lived overseas but who'd lived in all four or was connected to Mm. all four of the main cities of New Zealand. As I'm sure lots of people have but I haven't and so I found that really interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean I can't remember Dunedin. You know I haven't been there since I was 13. We're pretty much the same. uh, Probably. (laughs) Probably. And my connection to Dunedin is is largely all of this music that you helped to bring into the world. You know that is that's sort of be my my connection with it. Yeah,
2: I, I became in writing the book. I became quite fascinated with Dunedin again. Yeah, but didn't get. I've been back a few <laughs> times. Yeah, I've, I've been back a couple of times since I came back to live in New yeah, Zealand. So a yeah. couple of times, three times over the last ten years. Yeah, but I'd love to get down and explore it a bit more. Yeah, there is a certain um, you know the music scene is perhaps not what it used to be. It seems the town seems horribly now horribly dominated by the university. Not horribly, yeah. do, but very dominated yeah. by the university. Yeah.
1: And the stadium in the culture, stadium. The, the the idea around that. So the music is bringing in these big shows for yeah. the stadium that
2: don't seem to quite. Stadium culture and stadium debt. Yes. I mean, it's all kind yeah. of there's a weirdness there. Yeah. Yeah. But my um, idea, yeah, I, I keep thinking I have to get back to Dunedin and actually explore the oh. town a bit more. And because I spent a lot of time there in the eighties. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to a lot of parties in Dunedin yeah. and. Remember Re- some of them. Yeah, you remember some of them. <laughs> um, and I'm really incredibly fond of the place. Yeah. Um, I kind of... So I've been back in New Zealand now 10 years and haven't really reconnected properly. Yeah. Because Christchurch, I can no longer reconnect. No, so, that's right. it
1: That's, yeah. That's another thing that you're quite... Um, oh, I wouldn't say unsentimental, but you're quite frank about that. A lot of people have tiptoed around discussion of Christchurch post-earthquake, particularly if they did live there or had some connection there and aren't there, but mm. I guess it's the idea is they don't want to um, offend the sensitivity of people who've lived actually through the yeah. quakes, and, and, and I totally understand that, but you you sort of go at it from the point of view of, well, this was my hometown and it's really not there anymore. It ain't. I mean, it's all
3: gone. Yeah.
2: It's. I mean, it's... Um, yeah, my mother. My mother isn't in a home in Christchurch now. My youngest brother's just moved to Wellington. He's mm. kind of had, you know, it's, it's had enough. It's what's happening? People have had enough. Yeah, and you know, and
1: so it'll be a new city. It, it's in the. It's you know, going to be a different it's, city. It's yeah. happening, but when it's I guess done, or when it's a bit more done than it is now, it's not going to be Christchurch. It's going to be different. Yes. Which, which provides opportunity and all of that, but it's hard for people to perhaps be excited about.
2: Well, I see they've built the the giant new sort of uh, court slash oh. police um, headquarters, which is huge. Yeah, and that that seems to have been a priority to get that <laughs> finished and done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got. I mean, honestly, Christ. I mean, I, I grew up there. I'm really, I'm really fond of the memories I have for yeah, Christchurch. Yeah. But yeah. those places that they're not there, it's all gone. Yeah, and I don't unless you've been there. I don't think people quite understand the devastation yeah. Yeah. and for the part of Christchurch I grew up in which is you know the East our out yeah. yeah. towards New Brighton you know just the, just the de- neighbourhood you know house after house yeah. just m- munted I think is the word you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. munted houses and mm. roads are stuffed and yeah. it's just a huge mess it's yeah. just such a mess so um, yeah it's a hard one
1: Auckland must seem very different to you from when you lived there too like you'd have a bit to do with Auckland still now but from yeah. being over I guess does it feel like it's caught up very quickly with the rest of the world in a way that some parts of New Zealand haven't? Mm, but, well it's bigger to both its detriment and it's you know yeah. <laughs> as well I mean, as being positive
2: I mean it's a beautiful city yeah um, you know and I love the harbour and I love the, the I love the volcanoes but it's sort of like a bit of a planning um, disaster mm. isn't it? They really haven't. No, yeah. someone hasn't been. Well,
1: it's outgrowing. It's it's split. It seems yeah. right. You yeah. Know? yeah, no, so it's, it's mad. Um, it's outgrown
2: its skin. I think you know. I think in the book I took about someone dropping me off on Ponsonby Road in 81 yeah. and that, you know there was no <laughs> there was no traffic. Yeah, you know, yeah. There would be <laughs> just a dog barking and someone screaming in the distance. <laughs> Absolutely no traffic. And now you know you. Yeah. Well, it's a thirty mile. You've got to yeah. drive at thirty k or whatever because of the pedestrians sort of yeah. spilling out, yeah, wanting to be hit, yeah, it's yeah. Go, it's mad, but yeah. um then plus the center is we I mean we had offices on Queen Street, yeah, and when Queen Street was still sort of in decline, really, you know it was a bit of that shift in new market had sort of started, and Ponsonby and yeah. but now I mean you have to have for the quality shops in town, it's a special trip, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, but also I am here in Wellington. I actually yeah. Back. So
1: how you? you've been here for a while now? So what are Ten you? Years. What are your thoughts? Are you, are you a Wellingtonian?
3: Yeah, I think by I might default, be at least. Here. Yeah,
2: I think I you know I I, I do like when it's got a centre. Um, yeah. It's all walkable. You can get a park in the town. Yeah. Um, Coffee is good. Slow boat's fantastic. Yeah, um, good record shops great bookshops,
1: some good gigs although yeah. less less in recent years but no because I, I I see you at I've, you know I've seen you at gigs over the years and, and and obviously I go to lots but yeah it does feel like it's dropping off now
2: yeah I'd sort of um, and I guess I sort of worry about the I mean I do I love I actually love learning the, the climate someone should do something about that but you know <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> perhaps someone is yeah the um, it's been pretty good this year yeah, but um, no, I, I love it here, and yeah. made lots of friends, and I feel quite settled. Yeah, yeah. But um, what was I going to say? The um, I worry about, I guess, with the internet, the sort of a, I feel there's a sort of a general homogenisation of music, quite a subtle mm. creeping homogenisation of music. Yeah, and I think that works against the idea of sort of um, you know the idea of a scene developing which is a powerful thing yeah yeah. well
1: I was going to say it also um, there's a movement you know they talked the other year about poptivism and that there's, this, there's these ideas that you shouldn't you shouldn't criticise um, you know if, if something's made to be popular whether it's you know a Transformers movie or an Ariana Grande CD you shouldn't criticise it because it has an audience that it's right. been made for and you should leave it well alone and it's kind of like, well, part of the development of scenes is, and I mean, you touch on this in the book, this sort of rip it up and the street press and the very, you know, Roy Colbert and the various voices and names yeah. and things. That was a big, well, it was a part of the making of Flying them um, was having champions and even having people that criticised some of the records and that. That's part of the development of a scene, right? Is yeah. having cultural against. voices that you're pushing against yeah. and having making friends you know having people champion you and i I think we're losing that hugely not just not just because of the way um news you know journalism is eroding it isn't just that it's that's scary scary in Mm. itself but it's the the voice of the internet is so strong that that there's now a fan for absolutely everything and those fan voices are so loud that they're drowning out any thing that's viewed as any kind of dissent
2: yeah i mean because i because I think of the the thing with the scene developing it is you are as much as anything kicking against something pushing against something and for us it was you know it was kind of big business in the form of major record companies and kind of what they represented yeah
1: and the 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 covers era of show still and all of that yeah Yeah. all that stuff so we were light
2: entertainment yeah people with people with flares long hair yeah all those um, you know any any handy yeah (laughs) anything would do really but um that was quite important to have that because yeah. it, it sort of so it meant you sort of you are pushed together with like minded people yeah probably you know most of who are probably still you know good friends yeah. So, yeah but you know you're a certain age and you're really but you know the music the support that you get in that kind of community the encouragement that people give to each other it's um it's a sort of has a multiplying effect on the you know it's just a it's a positive powerful thing yeah you, you can't you can't just snap your fingers and create it it just yeah. it happens yeah so I, I, you know, I can see individual artists developing. Quite often I see in New Zealand It feels the last sort of few years it feels like there's individual things happening but I've got no real strong sense of where they come from. Yeah, yeah. Or are they part of, yes. you know, what's the context? What, yeah, yeah, What are they a part of? Yeah. And so perhaps the last time we saw that, perhaps with Little Chief or yeah. a label like, like that, perhaps a few clusters of people... Um, ten or so years ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Year, I think.
1: Arch Hill and Little Chief yeah. and those sorts of things, yeah. yeah.
2: But I see that kind of it all seems a bit more fragmented. Yes, and some people on their own doing their own thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so how long did you live away from Flying Nun? Close to a decade.
2: Yeah, just a bit over. And how? Oh, perhaps a decade.
1: Yeah. And how much were you really away from Flying Nun?
2: Well, I was in London, so... Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, that's it, too. Sure. Yeah, so
1: yeah, was... yeah, What I mean is, did you ever really feel fully removed and unpacked from it, or did it always lurk? Oh, it probably always lurked. Probably... Because you're getting towards, like, 20th anniversaries and and new generations of fans, and your name is connected with that label, so you're this mythic figure if you're out of the country for some people.
2: Yeah.
1: I know that's how I sort of viewed you when I first got to... Flying Nun stuff Because you weren't, you weren't around
2: Yeah I mean I guess I, I would have been back Occasionally But yeah That yeah, no, was Sort of Yeah It was always a bit strange Coming back Yeah But even in London You get sort of accosted By people at gigs and things. Yeah 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 And I guess I was still You know I was playing the able Chasmans All the way through mm. Being
3: mm. Being mm. their biggest fan
2: Yeah um, So there's Yeah there's bits of connection Yeah But it was It was really when But um, you did
1: have a life Outside of it You did mm. step away Yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And that was essentially mainly as a um, as a dad, you know, yeah, dad, yeah. dad at home. Yeah, yeah. Got a bit better at cooking. Yeah, vacuuming. Vacuuming, a yeah, yeah. lot of vacuuming, back to <laughs> back starting at the bottom. Yeah.
1: yeah. So when do you go? I need flying none in my
2: life again. It was. um What happens? Well, I we came back and must have been around that time that Warners. 30th anniversary? Yeah. No, that can't be right. It must be 25th. Whatever. You know? yeah. The box set. Yeah. Warners um, asked me to put the box, put a box set together. Yeah. Uh, full CD set. Yeah. And I, I agreed to do that, and um, without kind of fully comprehending how much music there was to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and having to find some, on a turntable, and because <laughs> a lot of it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing. But I guess it was. Um, so there was a, a whole. There was a whole reconnection mm, um, mm. With, on a musical level. And I kind of, I guess, in the process of doing, putting all that together and working with Warners, I could see how the label was sort of being dissipated into their general catalogue. Yeah, yeah, and I remember
1: was, that. I was working in a music store at the time, and I remember that frustration for, for fans particularly.
2: Yeah, so there's no dedicated, you know, the, 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 the I guess what do you call it, um corporate memory or yeah. um, institutional memory yeah. sort of gone and mm, mm. I think a lot of the artists Reduce were frustrated to, reduced to
1: just a catalogue number yeah. yeah
2: and I know that a lot of the artists themselves were frustrated about you know, where they stood and where they, at the bottom of music. the release sheet <laughs> well yeah. I think just being able to have someone to connect with yeah. actually was even yeah. familiar with mm. their musical their face or their name yeah. so it seemed like I had this sort of alarmingly stu- again to put my hand up <laughs> too, you know, far too quickly but I had the idea that pets they might um, sell it back to me.
1: Yeah.
2: And to their credit, um, they said, yes, Yeah. Um, we'll look at that. And it was quite a process. I mean, it, you know, it sort of went to Sydney. And, and yeah. Phil Howling here in New Zealand was very supportive. Yeah. I think he, he saw it as the right thing to do. So yeah. One, there'd be a whole lot less grief for them because they yeah, were yeah, kind yeah. of a, not embarrassed, but this is really awkward. How do we deal with this? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I it was be, a weight on their...
2: When you've got major record companies that are shrinking, you know the sales are all poor right. things. You know it's all hard, and they're laying off staff, <laughs> and so you know I could, I could yeah. see how this was this thing was probably a bit of a, a bit of a nuisance, yeah. and um, some of these people weren't going to go away. Yeah. And on the other hand, I think he knew that it was kind of the right thing to do; that it needed looking after, and um, it needed to be regenerated, and have you know new projects in the back catalogue released yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So he was very supportive. I we went to Australia, went to the um, the regional HQ in Hong Kong, I think, and then to the Deals Committee in New York, and they all said yes. So, so yeah, there was sort of a group of us. Yeah. Put in, um, I was kind of under sort of no illusions that the landscape had changed quite a bit. The mm. whole, you know, the digital world the um, lack of physical sales, kind of terrified to be releasing vinyl again, which is, I don't think people realise how hard it is. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard work, and very little margin in it for that hard work. And especially in New Zealand, right, like with the,
1: you know, there were actually pressing plants back when Flying lun started, so that that was a big part of the um, problem solved.
2: Yeah. So getting me was made in... um, you know the states trying to get trying to get the guy there to pick up his phone to find you know just all the the heavy things to ship things go wrong faulty all the old problems yeah it's a dirty mechanical process but you know it's kind of revitalised I guess yes um, interest in music and you know it's a good thing it's not just a it's just a hassle yeah
1: yeah yeah um it's a shame too because it's what the the fan requires now yeah, too, so it
2: totally, can't totally. go away. And the covers are great, and you know.
3: Yeah.
2: But I um so yeah, but it was the whole um, the digital side of things. You know, it's probably the music business because of that has become even more mm. administratively. Yeah. Focused. Uh, we, you know, once when I started, it was you know one source of income. that was selling selling the record. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the <laughs> set as well, and that that was all right for a while. Yeah. And then there was the CD and, you know, that was, that turned out okay for a while. But now there's all these, and we didn't need to worry about, you know, money from, income from radio play. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because now. there wasn't any. know that wasn't <laughs> going to happen. Um, or, you know, the concept of, um, you know, someone using a a, a song in a film. On, on yeah, TV. yeah, You know, that was all kind of under underdeveloped. Yeah. So now there's all these different, you know, from um, Spotify or yeah. iTunes. You know, there's all these, income streams yeah so and then, which means there's a huge amount a lot more you spend a lot more time doing the admin yeah and less actually involved with you know any anything kind of creative so is we it, so we sort of moved we decided to move the office into Auckland which yeah. is where the, there is a music industry yeah that's and right there is and the and New I'm, Zealand music industry yeah and I'm afraid it's in Auckland yeah um, and we had to be closer to that yeah so um, Matthew Yeah. Davies went up with the office and we kind of integrated with Ben Howe's Arch Hill and yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: we've got the shop there now on Pitt Street
1: it's, and so, and it's going so, well your daily involvement with Flying Nun now is I guess slightly murky defined
2: well I'm a director yeah um, with Ben so there's two of us so we're kind of obliged to talk about <laughs> um, you know what's going planning on, planning yeah, yeah, general yeah. broader things yeah um, but it's not a day that you know, yeah. I drive Matthew yeah. nuts with you know, stupid requests, stupid questions. Which ben, is my role.
1: Ben's been a great champion of flying numb for a long time, mm-hmm. and a great. Um, well, it's, you know, I guess in a way he's he's I mean he's a musician and all of that, but in a way he's been like a newer version of you in terms of the fan moving into the role. Yeah there is some sort of parallel there you there know, are
2: yeah no he's been good he's been good because he's been um, he's much better at the administrative yeah kind of the, the, dotting, the dotting, dotting the t's and yeah. the crossing the i's yeah he's particularly Yeah, you know, I think he's he's fantastically competent yeah. at all that stuff yeah and that's and that's very much what's needed these days yeah yeah it's a different world totally yeah totally. you
1: could get away with fifty dollar recordings and no <laughs> contracts. Because you didn't know that you were getting away with stuff, right? You were just doing stuff yeah, on yeah. the fly. That's the thing. Like that that's part of the wonderful, I guess, folk story about Flying Nun that you you tell but also point out along the way. This wasn't some arch decision. This wasn't some you know there's a little bit of kicking against the pricks, but but a lot of the sort of low budget stuff is by necessity not
2: yeah, totally. not
1: not as an antidote.
2: Yeah,
1: it's just like we'll see what we can achieve with what we've got. Yeah, but then that gets turned into folklore. yeah, yeah. with time, yeah, yeah. So you dispel some of that myth, I think, whilst also celebrating the myth, mm-hmm. which was probably a role that you. Did, maybe didn't even go in knowing you had to do or realizing you were doing when you were writing, but it becomes a nice balance that you achieve.
2: Yeah, I think you've got to, you know, if you're writing, if you're going to the effort to write a book, you've got to have sort of, you've got to have at least a couple of layers. You know? Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be more than
0: more than
1: just date, <laughs> dates and names. <laughs> There'll be a say. few different things yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. So yeah. yeah,
2: I tried to, you know, because nothing's clear cut. Yeah, and no matter how you look at it, it's got to. so yeah. you've got to present you got to look at it all from different angles and hopefully that's what I've achieved with the book
1: um, so we can, we can talk about anything else you want but before that I wondered if we could talk a bit about the um, mental health that's mentioned in the book too mm-hmm. because you mentioned earlier about a late diagnosis and I thought there's another one that you refer to in the book directly um, and uh, so that's something you knew you were always going to sort of um, out in the book or did that come about as a process of realising, well, I'm actually, because I thought what you're actually kind of doing with that book in a way too is, as you're sort of writing a diary 30 years late and mm. then catching up along the way at yeah. various points, you know, it is a bit like a, a
2: sort of retrospective diary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, or a journal. Of, there's a bit of, yeah, and there's a bit of self-discovery in that yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, So. Yeah, I felt, I mean, I, when I, I guess when I started writing it, I wasn't sure how I was going to deal with the, um, you know, the health, the mental health yeah, issue. yeah. It was kind because of, I didn't have to deal with it today. It was, it was
3: somewhere. In <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to get to that chapter until much later. Yeah, not worry
2: about that now. <laughs> but, but it, it did. um It did. But I guess re exploring that whole period of my life, right back to you know early eighties. Yeah. It, it kind of it kind of made sense. I mean, I had the diagnosis, perhaps two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. Because I was, I, you know, I was at home with the kids, and some days I was, you know, I wasn't. Were, I, wasn't, I, wasn't I think, but I wasn't delightfully. You were
1: like, diagnosed manic depressive, yeah,
2: yeah. So, you know, the 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 upswings weren't necessarily, you know, I wasn't wasn't it wasn't as though the kids weren't laughing at my jokes anymore. It was a bit different <laughs> to that. I know, I know why that happens. Um, so I need better material. The <sighs> they're getting older. No, it was the it was just that thing that it was becoming a problem you know that it was that it was a bit loopy rather than a bit amusing yeah and um there was a definite pattern and saw saw a very good team of doctors
1: who spotted it first you say your wife's your harshest critic did she spot it before you did oh I think she
2: realised that there was something wrong yeah and
1: because we're very good at adjusting ourselves and just going well this is how I am Mm. um
2: Yeah, well, it's hard to have, um, and I think the nature of um, these things is you don't have the um, insight to... No, that's right, and
1: and we hunker down around ourselves, so we go, even even if you recognise it's a problem, you just go, well, this is my behaviour now, and I'm going to adjust to suit, and, you know, whatever, so, yeah, I wondered if she sort of...
2: Yeah, yeah, I know, she definitely found it more, you know, it's finding me more and more... Frustrated, yeah, yeah, there's some frustrations, um, there's some, yeah... And so we've got the diagnosis, and it's, um, you know, I'm a rapid-cycling manic depressive, yeah. and so that's the ups and downs can be pretty, you know, it can happen very quickly. Yeah. And I co- then I sort of thought about it, and, I, you know, and it sort of came, it became quite particularly clear when I was writing the book that, um, that I'd always had this, yeah. you know, up-and-down thing going on, and, and, and that perhaps, you know, perhaps a lot of the madness with the label, the persistence... It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't just wild enthusiasm, or or perhaps it was. It wasn't just the naivety; it was actually being
1: yeah, you know, in the in the most yeah, harnessing <laughs> crazed it, with it. Yeah, this yeah, is going to happen.
2: Let's do all these. Let's do this. Let's not, you know. Let's make it a double, a double twelve-inch EP. Let's yeah.
1: Just. <laughs> and did you think um, was it part of the writing, or part of uh, shortly after that diagnosis, part of him looking at yourself that you sort of went? Um, oh, actually, there were, you sort of say there's signs along the way like that, like that, like the label activity, but do you also sort of go, well, the drinking, drugs, drug use too, but the drinking was sort of a self-medicating?
2: Yeah, I think there's a large, um, large degree of that to try and sort of, um, yeah. you know, you get the notion into, well, subconsciously probably that you're yeah. going to, you're going to try and moderate the, the wild swings and yes. mood. By or justify drinking. them, or or justify them, yeah. you know, in,
1: in and out, what appearance.
2: There's also a lot of stress, and I think that doesn't. Yeah. you know, you tend to throw alcohol at that. Um, but yeah, Which, I was probably. Prim- I mean, there were drugs as well, but I was primarily a drinker. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Very yeah. early on. Yeah. Always enjoyed a drink, and it got got to the point with that as well that, um, as one doctor said, and you know, it's like throwing petrol on a fire with yeah, yeah, depression. Yeah. So the medication. Lithium. No one knows how it works. It's like some, you know, one of those fantastic Victorian cures. Yeah, yeah. No one understands the, the chemistry, <laughs> but it seems but to it work. it <laughs> um, and that sort of that that levels everything out. But the drinking had to stop as well. Which obviously yeah. wasn't, you know, it wasn't helping that, and it wasn't yeah. really helping generally. Like, yeah, you know, I got to the stage where well, I've probably drunk my fair share. Really, time to stop. Yeah. So yeah, I sort of. So in this, the scheme
1: uh, of things, you found that actually pretty easy to give up.
2: Yeah.
1: Overall, yeah. it wasn't like a torturous no. getting over it. It was just like, well, um, I've got a family, I've got this diagnosis, I've got this medication, I've, yeah. got, I've basically been given this very stern warning yeah. to rein we talked it, rein it, it in. Yeah. yeah, we talked yeah.
2: about it. And one day, you know, it's time to stop. And I stopped.
1: You get to a point too, I guess, where people do where they go, well, actually... I'm not going to experience anything different from drinking that I haven't already experienced. It's it's a strange repetitive behaviour that people yeah. fall into. You know, like, you have the same sorts of things that happen, so, so you have, to a degree, those memories of that, and yeah. they don't really change. You don't no. actually go out and have a whole new experience on a particular kind of drink or in a particular situation. Yeah. Yeah. After, after, you know, a, a career of drinking, I'm thinking, yeah, after 20 years yeah. or more, you, you know, you experience the full range of what a drink and in a social situation or anti-social social situation can bring from it
2: yeah I guess so. that's the other thing that you touched on there that I guess that, um, that drinking always sort of helped me and so you know it's being essentially a shy yeah yeah shy guy and shy then having
1: guy. to front up to things and yeah, be around yeah. um the, just, in an industry where not everyone's shy, there are plenty of shy people, but a lot of extroverted types too. Oh yes,
2: you know. Yep, plenty of them. <laughs> the um, so yeah, if you if you I don't know. I think in social situations, uh, you know, there was a stress from yes running this crazy business that I didn't yes. fully understand. <laughs> I still don't. Yeah. Uh, so huge at times, huge amounts of stress and anxiety coming out of that. So you tend to you know, go oh, get home. I'm going to have a drink. Then there's also the shy thing where perhaps um, you know it just helped me. Socialize a bit better yeah, and I think also the the, the self medication kind of thing you know they try and control perhaps this will control the the ups and downs yeah but um yeah. it's not nine essentially at the end of the day it's not mind expanding Yeah, you know, in a way that some things could be mm. but at least what I find mind expanding I don't know <laughs> I enjoy I think reading it Really interesting book, or yeah, going and seeing Mogwai. Going and seeing Mogwai. You know. have more mind expanding. Could yeah, that be? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so listening to Can. Ken. Yeah, Can's yeah. always mind expanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, so for me, it's music and and reading. Yeah, and I guess it's ideas, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about ideas. Yeah, and um, that's what I intend to do with the rest of my uh, life. So
1: yeah you hinted it you hinted it whilst not a second volume of the memoir you've you've got a writing bug. Yeah, a little bit. And so, and, and you know, this happens to people. I mean, m- unfortunately, it happened to Neil Young, and he quickly followed up his, <laughs> his unreadable book with another largely unreadable <laughs> book. Um, but it has happened that, you know, people go, um, then they want to try their hand at children's books or a mm. novel or, you know, whatever, which is interesting. And, they, and I guess they have a platform, and, and there's been some successful examples of that, that people arrive at writing, Later in life, and 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 jump across a bunch of different things. Mm. So that's something that interests you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess through through becoming a a reader, really. You know, it's a, it just opens up another yeah another world. And what are the what are the books I so like? I mean, uh, you know, the Siebel, uh Rings of Saturn. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love travel writing. I love um, that kind of memoiry, tangential yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. I think that's fantastic. Not that I'm saying that that's what I. I yeah. tend to write a book like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everyone seems to have attempted to write a yeah. book like that since so that one. <laughs> yeah. But, um, or I could go there, you know, it's like uh, one of my favourite travel writers, Norman Lewis. You yes. Know, he wrote at least four or five uh, memoirs. Yeah. All quite different to each other. Yeah. I quite like that idea. Yeah. But uh, perhaps, you know, perhaps not right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that. Um, I was talking to Doug Hood the other day. We were talking about sort of, you know, book titles. And it, this one, you know, this one could have been called a hold on to the rail, but I think, yes. no, that's that's the one much later on. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so you said, Chris, obviously, Chris can't quite react to what you've said about him in the book uh, in a way, and what you'll hear f- directly from him, and I mean, I don't think he'd probably, well, uh, you know him a lot better than I do, but it, I sort of feel like it, it felt like a pretty accurate portrayal of him anyway, and, 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 and quite a humane and, and you know,
2: Yeah, I mean, I felt I just needed to be, um... Honest. Just honest, and I don't think...
1: But has anyone told you outright, oh, you didn't get me right at all in that? You know, I don't imagine David Kilgore would, (laughs) you know?
2: Um, no, people have been... But, has
1: anyone said, you know... No, no no one's...
2: No. No one's complained.
1: No. Well, it's been, um, fabulously received, hasn't it? I mean, that must be, uh both gratifying and slightly terrifying because it's kind of that hit single territory of like <laughs> it's my first book and everyone loves it
2: it's been a bit, it's been a bit weird a bit I mean, weird? You, you finish right, you know yeah. you, you get into this thing and you, as I said before you lose perspective after yes. about 5000 words yeah. so you're, you're swimming yeah. in this ocean of bits and pieces of and ideas o- of and course you hope people
1: like it but having that told to you daily
2: yeah well it's weird I mean because you know I finished it and you think thank god you know I've such a long process between that too right yeah yeah. and you think you finished finished and then they come back you've got a day to check the index and it's like oh and it's the cover and you have kind of of this little time of respite and then Mm. it's um, yeah I mean the reception has been great people seem to really
3: you know because I just didn't
2: I didn't have a clue whether it was any good or whether it was total rubbish yeah Um, Yeah, yeah. you know I felt the information was kind of was good yeah but, but I wasn't sure, you know, really totally. not sure at all. Of my um, my ability to to tell that story is as, is as, um, as, as well as it should be told. Yep. Um, but so people seem to like the writing, yeah, very seem much to like so. the tone of it. So yeah,
1: I, you'll you'll identify with this. But when my um, when my book first arrived, when they sent the very first copy down for me to look at, I was at work and my wife rang and said, "It's you know, it's here," and I've, I've opened it and it looks great. And we had a really little baby at the time, and so we were sort of doing those swap over things. So she was home with him, and and then um, when I got home from work, she goes, "I'll leave it on the table." And I got home, and I think she'd gone out with him. And I remember staring at the cover, and then I went straight and picked up the vacuum cleaner, <laughs> you know, and at like sort of six o'clock at night after a day's work. I'll, and the and I'll, and I'll vacuum the house, and then I empty the dishwasher. Yep. And then I checked my emails <laughs> and then I rang my parents and then I, you know, and then I went, uh, and then I made a drink and then I sat down like a coffee and then I sat down and went, okay, okay, let's, let's get to know you and, I, and turned the cover and looked at it and went, okay, I don't know if I'm horrified or not and flipped through some pages and went, oh yeah, it all seems in order. Okay. Goodbye, kind of thing. Off you go into the world, but it really is, you know, as 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 silly as that might sound to someone who hasn't read a book, or even to someone who has ri- written a book. Um, that was my experience. I just didn't want to deal with it because it is that thing you said—you do lose perspective.
2: Totally. No, it's very hard to. Um, and then the yeah, the the book turns up, and it's like, oh my god, it's yeah, like you know, so smaller, I'm about to I'm about to be out. It's of this, so much you know. smaller
1: <laughs> than I thought, or it's so much, you know, whatever.
2: It's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah no, it's a funny. Uh, yeah, it's a moment. It's almost a bit of a moment of truth. You get that copy and you look at it. and you're, You know, in a couple yeah, of weeks this, time. Yeah, or or you find out. Oh my God, review copies have gone out already. It's too yeah. late. So I can't stop yeah.
3: it.
1: Yeah,
2: and it's all you're just um, you're putting yourself out there, really. Yeah, the same way that I guess a band or a musician or that's an it. artist.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so that's it for you. You've had that understanding, but you've you know you've been behind the scenes. You've mm. had that understand. You've had. You've probably had records that were brutalised in reviews, but you didn't make them, you know, and and that it wasn't your songs, you know. And also, it doesn't matter because it's just one person saying that and all of that. But you've still seen the reaction that that can cause.
2: Yeah, and sometimes it's the good reviews, the -the over-the-top reviews that That are um, are actually more damaging. That's right, uh, and uh, harder to take. And in the sense that people get get them wrong, or it's just obviously a wrong idea, um, wrong idea, or you know that actually this record isn't. That yep. good, yeah. And what's it going to do to the? How does that affect yeah. the band? Or the well, that's list?
1: that's another thing. I thought you know what was really interesting was how not just when you're discussing people, but you really sort of in the book, and I think people will find this very refreshing, is that you don't have this rose-tinted approach to oh that was a great record, oh that was a great record. You sort of go, geez, we got away with something there um, you know approaching murder that was a rubbish record it doesn't Mm. sound good or there's a gem of an idea there but we botched it Mm. or you know we were lucky to we were lucky this was received like it was because listening back to it it hasn't aged well or or this one actually is better than I remember it you've got this range of emotions and approaches and again it all sort of creates a picture I guess of honesty you Mm -hmm. know of of, well not everything you're going to do is going to be good
2: no and I guess um no, no, exactly. And it's a hard, you know, when you're, you're dealing with a band's career, you know, you, you, cannot, yeah. you can't stop. You've got to keep yeah. on going. Yeah. But then the tricky thing is maintaining, um, trying to keep perspective in those situations of yeah. your own where you're at yourself and what you're producing yeah or, you know, from the artist's point of view so it's a, tr- it's a tricky one but I, yeah I've, you know the good reviews the raving reviews are just as dangerous <laughs> as the bad ones in my opinion yeah, yeah but I've been I've been sort of quite humbled by the reaction to the book yeah um, and relieved <laughs> so relieved
1: yeah yeah I bet mm. but it's uh, you know I guess um, you're dealing with you know a lot of the people that are covering the book in New Zealand are very much the perfect target market so I think it's going to bring a lot of those memories for people you know I think that's probably what people are reacting to that it's in a way it is it is all part of our life that's in those pages even though it's so much more of yours
2: yeah and I I think it's not necessarily just a music story either no I think it's kind of a bit of a a New Zealand it's a number
1: eight wire kind of thing yeah as much of an awful cliche as that can be, but yeah. but it is, you know, it is that little Kiwi Battler thing.
2: Yeah. That's going on. Do it yourself, you know. It's and it's the same, it's great the same dynamic. Of, it's the same larger dynamics at work.
1: And again, what you touch on a great range of weird and wonderful characters and very different personalities. Mm. You know, some 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 a lot of lovable oddballs in there.
2: Yeah, it wasn't just me that was having issues. You know. <laughs> 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 there's all sorts of uh, eccentricities and um, yeah yeah, no, no it's
1: been good who was it that said uh, it might have been Jim Wilson that said I don't know if he he coined this but someone sort of mentioned that part of the problem you had in the early days with the label is that everyone that was on the label was on the dole so if they weren't helping out at Flying Nun which you get into like mm-hmm. Hamish Kilgore and so forth they they had all day to bug you and, and yeah. be on your doorstep why isn't my record selling when's my record coming out you know whereas other people either have jobs or are off touring and doing things and they didn't have that and you had everyone on your doorstep
2: yeah there was a lot of juggling yeah <laughs> which I think is something that Chris was quite um, conscious of that you know there was a sort of political amateur yeah. political aspect of yeah, the role yeah. where you constantly trying to keep everyone happy who's the favourite child <laughs> mm. yeah <laughs> So um, yeah, which you know in itself is stressful, but um, no. Oh, but you know, oh goodness, well if I hadn't done that? We would have, I, you know, what, what would I have ended up doing? <laughs> I'm not sure. So you've talked
1: to every newspaper or thereabouts, and a, what a couple, a few radio stations, and you've launched the book. You've been reviewed. I don't think I've seen a single negative review you a might be aware of one but I doubt it at this stage they're all different shades of positive yeah um, so what When you get off this treadmill in a week or two
2: yep back to normal well there's um, it's coming out in the UK and the States so early next year yeah so starting so when do you go over I'm not sure. Possibly. Not sure. On the big plane. Yeah. Haven't been back to London for a long, long time. Um, but it's just that thing of trying to organise, just trying to get on top of yeah. what can be done around that. Yeah. Can we sell some records, you know? Yeah. yeah. As well as sell some copies? Yeah, fly
1: the flag for the label, which is what it's sort of about as well, yeah. isn't it?
2: Again, so. getting people to try and reconnect with or connect with the yeah. music. Yeah. I I'd be really happy if the book does that. So just in the middle of a few things regarding that at the moment yeah. and yeah. Seems to be quite a bit of a lot of interest coming out of the UK as a music journalist. So yeah, yeah, wanting their copies. Yeah, so, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> and then, um, and then the travel memoir and the detective fiction and the sci-fi all kicks in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the, the children's goth- children's
2: gothic novel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that all kicks in. Oh, the year. dystopian. Uh, Christchurch <laughs> yes. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 That'd be a <laughs> New town planning guide for Auckland
2: Yeah, hi. Oh, yeah, yeah no, it's going to yeah. be quite busy It's going to be a busy year <laughs> mm. So that's 2017 covered Yeah, i will take me through to the end I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, it's been a great pleasure talking to you Is there anything else you need to desperately put across Apart from buy my
2: book Which everyone gets to say when they have a book Yeah, I don't think I've ever said that <laughs> I'm not going to say it now Okay <laughs> <laughs>